This is going to be a big week, guys. I know we've talked about this for a while, but I want you to continue to be in prayer over this coming week. A lot going on in our trip to Nigeria. A lot of different ministries that are coming together for this to, to our campus there. And uh, for the first time, really, I mean, certainly the first time in our ministry, but I think the first time in, uh, at least that we have been there, that this many ministries have come together to focus on what the Lord has. And, and when I say ministries, I'm, I'm talking about um, American-based ministries. I, I'm not talking about ministries coming together in Nigeria there. But uh, we, we have, uh, I believe it's five different ministries coming together uh, to come down to our campus um, specifically to see what God has. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, to talk about vision, to talk about what God is doing there. I, I'm going to say this, um, and... <laughs> You guys have to know my heart in this, especially those online listening from Africa. We're very uh, active in Washington, D.C., here. When I'm, when I'm not there, I am usually behind the scenes working here for Nigeria, not just for Nigeria, but literally for the bride, um, for, for the recognition of this warfare that we're in. And... And so much of the effort and the push in regards to Nigeria is to bring awareness to our government so we can put pressure on them. And, and by the way, the reason we do that is it works. When, when they were listed as, as put on the terror watch list under Trump, it made a difference there. I, I was there. I, I can tell you firsthand it made a difference there. A couple days after Trump made the, the pronouncement when he had Buhari, who, who is the president of Nigeria, had him to the Rose Garden and said, stop killing those Christians over there. I believe it was two days later we saw an attack against Boko Haram that they just don't do there. They don't. So clearly that kind of pressure makes a difference. But I want to tell all of those other ministries, I want to tell all of those government people that are down there with me in D.C. trying to push for this awareness, that's all good. But that's not what is going to bring the difference. It's not what's, what's going to change a nation. What we've learned is... Literally, it changes. If you're looking for influence from outside, it simply changes on the leadership of that, that government or whatever. When Biden falsely took over, what happened? One of the first things he did was take him back off the terror watch list. And it changed over there. So all that work, all that effort of trying to get the United States to put pressure on them really only had nominal effect. What has real effect? It's fighting the war where it is. Fighting the war that would have lasting results. 
That's fighting the war in the spirit, but fighting the real enemy, which is the demonic. It's Satan. It's, it's his realm. It's his forces. It's that third of the angels that he took with him and the literal billions of demonic spirits that he has under his control. You want Nigeria to be free? And, and I know people here, it's like, before I went to Nigeria, I couldn't even show you where it was on a map. I knew it was in Africa. That was about it. So I, so I understand feeling displaced from it. But I, I want to say this at the beginning. You want Nigeria to change. Change it through not just the preaching of the Word of God. Because honestly, guys, we've done that for decades and it's made no difference. Reinhard Bonnke, in a 10-year period, saw 13 million, 13 million come to know Jesus Christ up in the north in Nigeria. 13 million out of a country of 200 and, what, 220 million, 240 million, something like that. So you're talking 5% or a little over 5% of the country in a 10-year period was saved accepted Jesus Christ into their heart as Savior. So why isn't that nation turned around for Jesus Christ? How about here in the States? I know most in here, there are a few, but most in here aren't, aren't the same age as me. You don't remember back when this country had some at least exterior morals. Right? But for those of you who remember, what happened? Is it that we, we aren't having enough people saved anymore? We're, there's not enough evangelism anymore. That may have brought part of the change then. But you see, it's not lasting. What lasts? It's the part that comes after salvation. It's the part that comes after asking Jesus Christ into your heart as Savior. It's that part where He teaches us to live with Him. To abide in Him. To build relationship with Him. You want this country to be changed? You want Nigeria to be changed? You want your own area here even in the states to be changed join in the battle join in the battle where the battle really is become effective in fighting in the spirit and if your reaction to that is well in the spirit it really doesn't make a difference you know we need to we need to have a voice. We need to do this and do that. I would encourage you to say that it is in the Spirit that He fills you and speaks through you. If it is not Him speaking through you, you are wasting your time and mine and everybody else's. If you're trying to run our government, and I speak to those in government if you're trying to run our government by the morals you feel are adequate, not by the Word of God, not by 
the leading of his spirit, capital S, then you're wasting my time. You're wasting this nation's time. Because all it is is a recirculation of crap. Forgive me. But that's exactly what it is. So at some point, at some point, the bride wakes up and recognizes where the real battle is. Recognizing that there is a real enemy. Whether you see him or not doesn't mean that he is not the real enemy. And by the way, this boils down to our everyday lives. Every single one in here has experienced this. Where we fight in our own lives for that understanding of our placement in this war. Understanding of our placement in relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, when it comes down to the day-to-day, we're at war every day. We're at war in our bodies. Why? Because our bodies are fallen flesh. That's why... Paul said to cast down imaginations. Why? Because the imaginations are there. (laughs) Because there are these demonic spirits that whisper into our ears, you don't need to do that, or don't believe that, or that sounds ridiculous. That's not how it's always been. If you're in the real war, if you recognize the real fight, You know it because you're probably getting hit pretty hard. But that's the nature of battle. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. And Father, I thank you for your love for us. Lord, I lay before you this morning my will, my life, my hands, my feet, my mouth. Lord, you know my heart's desire is for you to speak because you know what each of us need. It is not my desire for anything to come from me. I would rather just sit down. So I ask that you fill this place with your Holy Spirit as you moved through worship, move through this message. Speak your will. As I have gone back and forth with you, Lord, on trying to know what you wanted for this morning, Lord, I ask that you make it clear. Because we are in a real war. You have said that. That real war is over our own lives as well as the lives of everyone else of your creation. So, Father, I ask that you speak this morning according to your will. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We praise you. You have called us your body, your hands, your feet. Use me as your mouth. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this week I was, I'm so rarely on 
on Facebook, and I, I mean on social media, and I happen to be on Facebook, and then uh, looked at, I, what's it called, the wallpaper or something? What, what's the thing that's above your picture? A banner, yeah. I looked at my banner, and I think I made that banner like eight or nine years ago, maybe ten years ago. It's still true today. It said, Jesus is my best friend. But then, then there was another thing I ran across, and I can't remember where, but it was on one of my social media things where, where I, I put um, that we are an army, talking about the remnant bride, we are an army rising up, which you see that is our tagline, and then I said, and I am a recruiter. I can't remember. I think, I think it was on, on Facebook. And I remember at the time, like that was probably 10 years ago, and at the time I didn't really understand what that meant. I mean, I thought I did, and it sounded cool and whatever, so I put it on there. But I ran across it this week, and I was talking to the Lord about it. What does that really mean? Because I believe it as much today as I did back then, that we are an army rising up, that this remnant bride is an army rising up. And what's my position in it? I'm a recruiter. <laughs> I'm a recruiter. What does that mean? Well, I remember when I was coming out of high school and all I wanted was to join the military. All I wanted to do was be on the teams. Call it testosterone, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but that's all I wanted to do. I, I probably was in and out of the recruiter's office four or five times, talking to them about, about being a Marine. My, my father was a 20-year Marine. But see, he, he, his position, he, he did smart stuff. Like, he, he, he was one of the guys that built the bombs. And that just wasn't my thing. So I thought, okay, well, I, I could send the bombs. <laughs> I, I want to be in the military. So, so I'd go to this recruiter, and the recruiter would tell me all about what the Marine Corps was or the Navy was. I didn't go to the other two. My dad would have killed me. <laughs> Navy was okay because Marines kind of came out of the Navy, and they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Plus, I had an uncle in the Navy. But they started telling me what it was all about and what this code was and, and what we live by and why we do this. And this week it started to remind me about why do we do this in this army rising up, this bride, this remnant bride that, that is rising up in this war. And it's because there is a really... There is a very real foe. Man, if, if, if you just get entangled in this world, it's hard to see. It really is. Because the first thing he wants you to believe is that there's everything you see is what there is. There's not a spirit realm. Oh my goodness, he does not want you to believe there's a spirit realm unless you're willing to accept him as the king of it. Because that's where you begin to understand your authority as a Christian in that spirit realm. Because that's where the real fight is. So if I'm a recruiter, 
then what does that mean? And I started praying about that this week. Lord, what will you let me be a recruiter? Will you let me tell people about this battlefield? Man, we talk about it all the time, and I hope you're not sitting there, oh, here we go again, another, another preaching on the battlefield, right? Man alive, if there's one thing that you get in anything, it's to recognize that reality is a lot bigger than what you see. And the effects of what is going on in our lives is bigger than just supply and demand. There's something bigger when we get sick. Now, it might just be that you ate something bad. It might be that there are other things at work as well. And I'm not trying to bring this down to that level like... Well, everything, you know, let's, let's look into everything going on. I want you to look at it from a top level, this warfare. So in order to do that, let's look. I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. One thing that we want to see is where the warfare began in the first place. Satan is a real character. I didn't want to say person, but and I don't mean a real character like he's funny or anything. I mean, he is real. Lucifer was real. And this lament, which is in Ezekiel 28, we're going we're gonna to start at verse 12, basically, or 12 and a half, if you will. Talking about the king of Tyre, but clearly as we get into this, you, you can see that he, Ezekiel is not just talking about the king of Tyre. He is talking about Lucifer because Lucifer is who was in the Garden of Eden. So let, let's just begin. You were the signet, signet of perfection. He's, he's beginning to describe this entity with the title king of Tyre, which, by the way, is a title of Satan. You were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. What God is saying here is that he was crafted, Lucifer was, he was created with care. He was created with intent. He was created with everything at his disposal. Perfect in beauty. Imagine that. You were an anointed guardian cherub. First of all, cherubs are a different level of principalities, of angels, right? They're a, a different level of angels. They are a different authority when I mean level. You were, you were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. Now what God is talking about here 
is the area of his throne. He's talking about what we would refer to as heaven. He was placed on that mountain of God. He was placed in the very important places within that mountain, which were the stones of fire. Now, the stones of fire are interesting. There's very little said about them in the Word of God. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to conjecture. I, I do find it interesting, though. There, there's a, a prophet that I have heard that, that shared something that made sense to me because God always speaks in the fire. right? When Moses went up to the mountain and it was a burning bush who spoke to him, God speaks in that fire. And so what this prophet said was that these stones of fire were literally where prophetic utterance came out of. And we do know in Scripture, Satan was a herald. In fact, it said music, worship, literally came from his body. He was a pronouncer, if you will. So this this prophet believed that in those stones... Part of his job was to see prophetically what was to come and to herald it. To literally what you see in the Old Testament and what you see today when a prophet speaks forth a word that has not come out yet and then comes. So I, I'll, I'll just offer that. I don't offer that as, as proof or anything, but that piece made sense to me. Because of the placement of who Lucifer was at the time, he was given everything, everything. But yet he was a created being. Keep that in your mind. Because it said in, toward the end of verse 13, on that day you were created. So even Lucifer has a creator. Lucifer is not himself God. He is a God. I don't mean that to throw you. Go read Psalm 82. You'll understand. But he's not the God. He is not Yahweh God. He is not creator God. There's only one God. And he is in the form of a triune God. A trinity God. That is who created even Lucifer. Verse 14. You were anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in all your ways. From the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. Man, if we could just take that part out of history. It was at that moment. And, and it said that pride, we see other places in the Word of God, that pride was found in his heart. Right? There came a point where Satan or Lucifer began to understand what he had. And you know what? It's different than the others. God, you made me different than the others. And then his mind started to work against him as he's recognizing these differences. It was a pride 
that began to well up in him. And it was that pride that then took him to a place of what the Bible refers to as that unrighteousness being found in him. And then again, verse 16, in the abundance of your trade, what does that mean? That means the action of his heart. The action of what he was thinking. You were then filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. Now man, there are sometimes I wish the Lord would just give a little more explanation in the Word of God. Because what we do know is that what we think in our mind is not what we're judged on. It's what comes out of our mouth is what we're judged on. So I'm going to take that back to this situation that, that even Lucifer at the time when he started recognizing these things, how he made the jump to, I made so much better than everyone else and I can ascend as God. I, I don't know how he made that jump. He still had to recognize that he was created by God. Or maybe maybe that sin messed with his mind enough to where he didn't think that. I, I don't know. This is where I wish I wish sometimes God would add a little bit more into scripture so we could we could know, but either way, we know that he fell. And he sinned. There came out of his mouth what was seated in his heart. Middle of verse 16, so I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God. And I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By, by the way, let me insert this here real quick. This is an overall picture of what will happen to Satan. Okay, this has not happened. Some of it has happened, but not all of it. Is, as we're reading through the rest of this, understand this is like a snapshot of Lucifer. Here's where you were. Here's what you did. Here's what I did in reaction to your sin. Here is where that's going to take you. Here's the end. Okay, God's giving a snapshot of the full thing. Don't think that all this has already happened. Satan is very real and very active and still ruling as the prince and the power of the air. I expose you before kings to feast their eyes upon you. Verse 18, by the multitude of your iniquities in the unrighteousness of your trade or of your heart, what he did through his heart, you profaned your sanctuaries. There's an interesting word there. Your. He didn't say you profaned my sanctuaries. Did he? What do you think he's talking about? He's talking about here. He's talking about Satan was made prince in the power of the air. He was, he was cast out. He was given to this earth, if you will. By the way, he was supposed to steward it. Even Satan, who had fallen. 
Even Satan, where sin was found in his heart, God had expectation of stewardship. That's why he said, even that, you did not steward your sanctuaries. So I brought fire out from your midst. It consumed you. And I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who know um, you among the people are appalled at you. You have come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever. Again, recognize this is yet to come. This peace is yet to come. But you have to understand, in order to know this warfare, in order to know this battlefield, you have to know your enemy. You have to know his heart and what he wants. This is a battle of good versus evil. It just is. I don't care how the movies want to simplify that. I mean, Hollywood, all they want to do is is cheapen it and... Make it fairy ish But it's not. You could learn more, by the way. I, this is going to be a strange statement. You could learn more about the strategies of the enemy by seeing what is done and has been done in Hollywood than any other thing. He literally gives himself away in Hollywood. You see it in the movies. I, 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 I won't even state them, but the Lord has had me watch movies and I don't mean bad movies. I'm not talking about that. He, he's had me watch movies that literally release the strategy of the enemy. And it's like, wow, you just put that out there, don't you? Like, in his mind, he is coming from a place of pride where he doesn't think we're going to understand. He doesn't think we're going to rise up. He doesn't think. Why? Because he's the prince and the power of the air. He thinks he's got a lockdown on this whole thing. In fact, coming up to the last few years, he thought this was his time. You've heard that many times. You've heard that through many prophets. Thinking it was his time. What do you mean his time? First of all, why does Satan even get a time? that's That's a question for the Lord. I don't know. I would rather him not get a time. But biblically, we know he gets a time. He gets a time where literally the earth is judged for Israel's sake. We read about it in Revelation. And that is his time. That's when his man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, rules, right? There is a time coming where his man will rule the earth. And he thought this was his time. He's sadly mistaken. Because Revelation 3, verse 9, cannot happen. Cannot happen without the bride coming to rule. By the way, why is the bride supposed to rule this earth? Just because it's our time? Just so to balance things out, we get some good stuff for a while. Because then Satan will have his time and he'll get the stuff. So because he gets his stuff, we get our stuff. Man, if that's what you think, wow, it's not that at all, because it's not the bride's time. 
The bride is supposed to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. The bride is supposed to be a representation of Him. Is the bride supposed to rule? No, Jesus is going to rule. It was the very thing that Jesus came to this earth to do that was rejected by Israel in the first place. They said, no, if you didn't come here to to take over the Romans and to free us and to rule, then you're not the Messiah. We reject you. Because the Messiah was going to bring freedom to us. See, they didn't understand the freedom that he was offering. They didn't understand the ruling that he was offering. And because that promise will never go void, there has to be a solution to them finally understanding. And I mean Israel. That will come through the bride. That will come through this grand mystery that Paul talks about in the Gentile being grafted in. This new covenant, this covenant of blood, the blood of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. When we accept Him as Savior, we take part in that covenant that covers us, that washes our sin away, that opens a door to intimacy with Him. And I was going to say, should we pursue it? Because you still have a choice. You know, you could be saved and not close to Jesus Christ. You could be saved and not have relationship with Him. He did not set the bar high for salvation, for justification of sin. Why? Because we couldn't have earned it. It's not for ours to earn. It was a free gift. So the bar was set only upon your acceptance, upon your belief, upon your faith in who He is, in what He did on the cross, in believing that He lived a sinless life, died on the cross, gave His blood for each of us. But death couldn't hold Him, so He rose from the grave. And even now, ascended to heaven and sitting at the right hand of the Father until His enemies are made His footstool. All you got to do is believe that. All you have to do is confess that with your mouth and, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Save me. Boom, you're saved. You're sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. You can't lose it ever. Because the word there is until you receive it. But now you have a choice. Man, it'd be easier if life didn't have choices. But God didn't want a bunch of robots. He wanted love. It's what He created us for in the first place. It was what was stolen from Him when Adam took it from man. He deceived Eve. Adam was not deceived. Adam literally gave it up because of love. And I I won't dovetail into that, but Adam wasn't the only one who lost. In, In fact, Adam was barely the one who lost. If you look at it now back in history, but even of all the people that lost, who lost the most? God. 
God. I mean, imagine your own creation that you created for this fellowship, that you created and walk with in this beautiful garden that you made in the cool of the day, which, by the way, was heaven. We don't need to keep looking in northern Africa for the Garden of Eden. You know, let's dig deep enough and we'll find the Garden of Eden. No. If you really want to know where the Garden of Eden is, then go learn quantum physics. Because you'll begin to understand. Because it's not in this dimension. It is in the dimension that heaven is in. Heaven is not way out there somewhere. And I, I don't know how better to describe this, but heaven is like here somewhere. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's not a long way away, but yet it kind of is because it's through different dimensions. And when man fell, he lost those dimensions. In fact, all we have is three plus time. That's all we get. And the Bible talking about at least ten dimensions. And we've had proven scientifically at least ten dimensions. And yet we only have access to three plus time. So God lost. God lost. He lost his creation. Why? Because of another one of his creation. Because of what Satan did. How do you think God feels about Satan? That's a tough question. Wait a second. God's love. God loves everything. He, 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 just, he just is in everything and he, he's everything. Let, let, let's go worship a tree because he's in there. I'll tell you what. God does not love Satan. In fact, what Satan does, God hates. How do I know that? Because the Bible said God hates sin. And Satan is sin. And in fact, it says that Satan is the father of lies. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And he's the father of lies. He's the father of sin. God hates sin. So God hates this enemy. Do not equate power with power. Do not think that God and Satan are on the same level now and this is some big battle. This is not a a war between Satan and God. This is a war between us and Satan. Recognize that. Because we were the created prize. Mankind is what made Satan jealous in the first place. That's what it says in Hebrews. That all of the the principalities, all of the angels, they were created for servanthood. They were literally created to obey. So, so, So literally a third of them couldn't even get that right. Thank you for the other two thirds. Father, thank you that they are obedient. But bottom line is they weren't created for fellowship. That's why they look at us and they're in awe, the Bible says. They look at faith in us and it's like, what the heck? How? How? How do they believe when they don't see? How do they trust when when they can't understand? 
What is this faith? They're, they're in awe of that faith. So that awe is the very thing that Satan wants to steal. It says in the Word of God that he is sent to steal, kill, and destroy. I want you to turn in, in fact... Turn to First Peter. If I would just not shake so bad, maybe I could pull it up here. First Peter, chapter five, verse eight says, "Be sober-minded, be watchful." Whose adversary? Yours. Not God's. He's to be crushed under God's feet. He is not God's adversary as if they were some equal. He is opposed to God. Please understand what I'm saying. They're directly opposed, but he is no match for God. He is no match for God. It says, your adversary... Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's a kind of a tough thought. You ever see a lion devour something? You ever watch, man, you ever watch those YouTubes over in Africa where if you watch one, you're going to get 20 more, by the way. <laughs> you ever notice that? It's like, man, I watch one of these now, all of a sudden that's all I see. This lion tearing this thing up, tearing that thing up. And then you recognize that's exactly who Satan is. He hates you. He hates me. He hates God's creation. Why? Because we were literally created for fellowship, for the one thing he cannot understand. We were created for faith. We were created for fellowship. We were created for friendship. We were created to walk with God in the cool of the day. To build relationship with Him. To have this friendship with Him. We were created for that. It's there for us. So Satan hates that. Why? Because he wanted it to be Him. Here, he was created with all this splendor and beauty, and yet there was only so far he could go with the Lord. Because of what he was created for. And it wasn't enough for him. It wasn't enough for him. This thing he couldn't understand, which is love. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. That's why it's so powerful. Satan can't understand it. That's why a soft answer turns away wrath. Why? Because when, when you fight, when you fight... The person is expecting you to put up your dukes. And when you come back with a soft answer, it throws them off. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Throws them off. Because Satan wants to destroy you. So I, I, I want to make something clear here. I'm not saying love him because that will hurt him. <laughs> no, God hates him. So do I. 
We hate sin. We hate what He is doing. But what He is trying to take in people, in your fellow mankind, hate what He is trying to do to them. Hate what He is coming against them with. And that's where you fight. That's the battle. You know, I said earlier that that tagline that I put, this is an army rising up and I'm a recruiter. If I could express anything from my heart, it's for you to understand that you can fight in the battle right where you're at. In fact, he wants you to. What Satan took when he took from Adam the title deed to this earth, which is what Jesus won at the cross, by the way, hasn't been opened yet because it's a scroll with seven seals. That will be opened, but it's not time yet. It's not time for the end. Jesus bought it back already with his blood. He, he said, it's finished. He said, everything is accomplished that needed to be accomplished. And we look at the world and we're like, wait, wait a second. How, how, how can you figure everything's been accomplished? This world is a mess. I mean, the bride is no, no closer to being in control. In fact, it's worse. The bride was closer to being in control back, back when I was a kid. No. It was just well hidden back then. It was well hidden. Why? Because the religious spirit is the most powerful. That's the one who put Jesus Christ on the cross in the first place. So you can say it differently now. The religious spirit is being exposed Truth is being shown. Truth is being revealed. We're going to see it over and over again in the coming months where now you're going, I think I said it last week or the week before, you're going to see the bride turn on each other. How painful is that? The bride's going to turn on each other just like they did when Jesus was here. Well, what do you mean turn on each other? Well, you see it already. You see it when different denominations or different factions of the bride. And by the way, I'm talking about saved people. I'm not talking about, you know, somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. I'm talking about the bride, the bride of Jesus Christ, those who know him as Savior. You have seen many of those who claim him as Savior say, you know what, let's, let's, just, let's just get along. And I'm talking about with the government. You know, let's, let's just get this shot. It's okay. I mean, there, there are many churches here locally that preach that. Instead of recognizing what that is. That's giving in to the enemy. That's giving in to his devices. And, and by the way, those listening and those online, if you got the shot, it's not about your condemnation. Lord said, ask forgiveness. He'll heal you from it. But it is truth what the enemy is trying to do through it. And I, I think most people are starting to see what that is now. But the enemy is trying to blind all of us. But I have noticed over the last probably 10, 
10 years, 8 years, something like that, this mentality of war starting to rise. I hear it all the time now. And that mentality of war is recognizing who we're really warring against. It is a spiritual battle. And you, when you go to your home today, you know, is it just that, well, I I can get in the battle on Sunday morning because I'm with everybody else and and all of that. No, you're, you're in the battle no matter where you are. When you go home, you can make a difference in the battle. Because what gives Satan his authority? It's what he got from Adam. It's land. It's placement. It's ownership of land. That's why principalities were put in place of land. Look back, I think it's Genesis 9, or maybe Genesis 11, at the Tower of Babel. Principalities were were put in place of land. Psalm 82, they were expected to steward it, and they didn't. So the Lord said, I'll take it back. I'll take those nations back. What's He taking back? The land. He's taking back the land. Why do we raise up people to, to go and run for Congress? Or run for Senator? Run for whatever? It's to take land. It's to place the value on the land in which we live. And, and the bride thinks that it's just about, well, you know, we just need more boats. We just need more boats and, and then, and then we'll, we'll get it our way and then we can kind of work through this. Wake up, guys. It's not about boats. If it was about boats, Donald Trump would still be in the office. Boats can be manipulated. They are manipulated. They have been manipulated. They will be manipulated. It's not about that. You want to change this nation? You want to change the nation of Nigeria? You fight the battle where it is, and that's in your own home, on your own land. Things that you have authority over and you can control. Because when you steward that right, we talked about it last week. What does God do? Hey, you steward that properly. I'm going to give you more. Here's, here's more. Here's more cities. So, so you start at your own home. You take that battle to where it is in the Spirit. Then from there you branch out. Maybe, maybe you go to your neighbors. You go to the, the rest of the development. And you begin going to war. Now, I'm not saying that you have the same authority over your neighbor's house. You don't. They have authority over their own house. But you have an inheritance over all the land. Do do you understand that? I mean, do you understand Jesus Christ, what he really paid for on the cross? What he paid for is this world to be reverted back to before Genesis 3. He paid for everything. But yet he's waiting on his bride who are his hands and his feet to walk through that in victory. And and by the way, it's happening. It's happening. 
land is being taken. You may not see it, but why do you think that the chaos is happening? Why do you think it's so chaotic right now in in Congress and and in D.C.? All these things coming out about this transparency stuff. Now, yeah, set it aside for a second that nothing's being done about it. That's the next step. And and I don't even know. Maybe things are being done in the background. I have no idea. I I don't have that kind of clearance. (laughs) Okay, but... But rest assured, the transparency is because the bride is starting to take land. And Satan is seeing this. That's where the real fight is. When you're at home, what does the Bible say? You're you're at home and you're dealing with these things and, and these things hitting you and everything else. It says, especially doubt. It says, cast them down as imagination. Cast them down. Anything that fights your faith, cast it down. That doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to just choose to believe. No, cast it down. That means with your mouth. Open up your mouth and say, I recognize this doubt that you are trying to put in my head. Who is? There's a demonic spirit whispering into your ear. Don't believe that. Don't believe don't believe that everything's going to stay the same. Don't believe. You cast it down. In Jesus' name, I bind you. I cast you to the abyss in Jesus' name. And by the way, I do that here. Any demonic spirit trying to whisper doubt into anyone here or anyone online, I bind you in Jesus' name. I cast you to the abyss in Jesus' name. Why do I have authority to do that? Wait a second, I can do that for other people? He is speaking this word through me. This word is to get to the ears of his people. I have the authority to battle for it to get there. So do you. So do you. Recognize the battlefield. Take it to war. Take him to war. And you're going to start to see things change around you. You're going to start to see things change. Things that were coming against you that you thought, I don't even know how to battle that. When you start battling the little things, the big things will fall. As the remnant has been praying for transparency in D.C., what's happening? The giants will fall. They'll fall. They are falling. You're seeing CEOs of these major companies leave. You're seeing major companies fall. How about Disney's fall? I mean, do you just think that that's kind of a poor season for them? And, you know, no. I'm sorry. That's the prayers of the remnant. That's the prayers of those who believe that they're making a difference. Not how I used to pray, God, just help this world and all the bad people in the world. Lord, just get get rid of them. Shine your light, God. The whole time he's handing me a flashlight. No, I need you to shine my... You're my image bearer. You're supposed to be shining the light. Jesus said, I am the light. 
but we're His hands and His feet. We're supposed to shine that light here. That light is what shines on darkness. It exposes darkness. So this remnant needs to stand up and expose. Don't be afraid to say it. Don't be afraid to say that these people are crooks. Don't be afraid. Joe Biden is a crook. His son is a messed up crook. Oh, man. i, I got to tell you, I don't feel sorry for Joe Biden. I do feel sorry for his son. I really do. Here's a young man that was raised in absolute corruption, trained by a family that grew him up in corruption. That's what he's known. It's no excuse. I'm not saying that. It's no excuse at all. But I pray for him. I pray for him. I pray that maybe he will somehow recognize this real battle and that there is a real God who really loves him and who would like to see him redeemed. That's the battle we're in, guys. That's not what you just do on Sunday morning when you come here or Tuesday night or when you're on the prayer call. That's what you do every day. Do you know the Lord had me... I don't even know how... Maybe Alexa would remember. It's probably been four or five years now. The Lord has me every day, every at least once every 24-hour period, I... I speak declarations over my land that I live on and over over our development. And then I, I, just over the years, I've kind of branched out, you know, and, and however the Lord leads me, you know, maybe over the country, over this, over that. But every day for the last, I don't know what it's been, four years or whatever, every day with my mouth out loud, not in my mind, but with my mouth out loud, Declaring, releasing warring angels. Why? Because we're in a battle for land. We're in a battle for the hearts of people who don't see. And who can't see because they're so deceived. That's what the transparency is about. The more transparency there is, the more they will see. And there is victory in this. There is victory coming in this. And the last I want to say is it's about time we wake up to this battle because what the enemy has used and been so effective for millennia, if you will, certainly centuries, is deception. The enemy's been hard at work if you've ever been exposed to witchcraft or known a witch, and I don't mean a Wicca, you know, somebody who worships a tree or whatever they do. I'm talking about real people who really worship Satan. We've been exposed to a lot of them. If you've ever talked with any of them, if you've ever fought with any of them, you understand how they've been bringing deception over the world for centuries. Go, 
I mean, they understand how this battle is fought. Because they've been fighting, they've been waging this war for years. Hoping that the bride would never wake up. But she's waking up. She's starting to see this real battle, this real warfare. And I'll tell you what. A real witch is one of the easiest people to lead to the Lord. Believe it or not. Because they, they see the discrepancies that are coming up now. They see the lack of power that they thought that they had. See, because they thought this was their time. Because that's what Satan's been telling them. I'm not, I'm not telling you things that I think. I'm telling you things that we have heard from these witches. From these Satan worshipers. And, and by the way, don't, don't let them tell you that they, well, they really don't worship Satan. Baloney. The church of Satan, guess what? They worship Satan. Don't let them tell you differently. I, I can't even remember the guy's name, Lucius somebody somebody. The guy who heads that up and he says, well, we don't worship anything. We just, you know, we just like Satan because he, he represents freedom. Freedom? Freedom from what? Real freedom is freedom from sin. The sad part about these witches is the most deceived is them. The most deceived. That's why in many ways they're the easiest to lead to the Lord, but it's not without a battle. Believe me, if the Lord places you in opposition of a real, live human witch. Don't take it lightly. Understand your authority, and, and God would not place you there if you were not to use your authority, but recognize it's going to be a battle. But that battle can not only be won, but that person can be won. This is the real army rising up. Yeah, male and female. I guess I could say warlocks, right? Is that is that what they call themselves, warlocks? Or I don't know. I thought they were all gender neutral. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. Had to throw that one in there. And Lex, come on up. But understand, understand that even today going home, God wants you to claim your territory. He wants to... And and it's not claiming it for yourself. It's claiming it for Him. He wants you to battle. He wants you to fight. He wants you to come together and fight together. The same chapter where He said um, Satan is a father of lies. That's in John chapter 8. In verse 32 of John 8, I love the verse that, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And I often think of what we think of when we think of truth. Truth is Jesus himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we know him personally, when we know him and spend time with him, get to know through the time we spend with him who we are, it is amazing how much he will reveal what that authority looks like. And 
what it even means to have confidence in truth. Because when I think about why, why is there, um, why has the state of this world, even just let's talk about the nation, just the state of this nation risen to what it has. And it's because people don't know the power of Jesus. Um, I love the song we sang, the worship song. You make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. The song, the new song written. There's something about that name. That's the journey of discovery we get when we just spend time with him. And it's so precious. And it's easy to see a believer who doesn't know that because in some twisted part of the religious spirit, the pursuit has been only the written word and the doctrine, which is very important because he is the word. But when you focus on the intellectual pursuit of learning the word without the relational aspect of the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father, you miss what the deep revelation is, which is who we are and what we carry. In this battle, and I have never ever lived in a time, and I know you would say the same, where the psychological warfare is stronger than it's ever been. There is a brainwashing agenda that is so powerful. And so I want to make sure you don't misunderstand a statement that Greg said when he was talking in Ezekiel about Satan, that he wasn't judged by his, his thoughts. We are not judged by what comes at us, these imaginations that get cast at us by the enemy. But we are absolutely judged in our thought life by what we agree with. So when he said that the thoughts were fighting against Lucifer, it was when Lucifer decided to agree with the fact that he might be able to be better than this God that created him thus allowing the pride and these things that were found within him. So don't misunderstand that we're not going to be held accountable for our thought life. It isn't just what comes out of your mouth, but it's the agreements in our thought life. People can have a very wicked thought life because obviously Jesus said to commit adultery with a person, you've done it even before that you act upon it, if you've done it in your heart, if you've had it in your mind. And so when these thoughts hit us even a sexual thought it can be cast down immediately you're not held accountable for that coming at you but you are held accountable if you spend a little bit of time on that and go hmm okay and allow that to affect you impact you or give agreement to that that's when you have that lust in your heart in your mind and that you are held accountable for and see when we have this sensitivity of the holy spirit being so strong within us that we get we understand and begin to just reject everything that's of the enemy. It's amazing that the kind of purity that we'll walk in, and we, we won't have any opportunity to be brainwashed. So the fact that we are, as a society, that's supposed to be a high percentage Christian, so brainwashed, shows you that there must be an element of really knowing Jesus that's missing. Even though there may be salvation tickets everywhere. And people knowing that they're on their way to heaven. But somehow they know him and don't know him. And so that's why it's so important for us to rise up. Um, I had to laugh earlier when uh, he was talking about Navy and Marine. The tagline, my dear, is an army. I was an army. My father was a lieutenant colonel in the army. 
And so uh, God gave us the tagline, an army rising up, not a Marine rising up. So, woo. <laughs> Anyways, just saying. Um, so, but God is doing a very special thing. He is really doing a wonderful thing. And, and um, to know him, there's nothing like it. There's no, there's no greater joy to even discover some amazing revelation in his word. All those things are exciting. But to know him, to, to know him as my friend, as my Lord, as my Savior, as my everything, that's the only way I can walk in faith. There's no amount of doctrine that can be illuminated into my intellect that will give me the ability to walk in faith, like knowing my Savior as my everything. That is the confidence. That is the, the intimidating factor of the enemy. Because that relationship is a love relationship. There's no greater what I call kryptonite to the enemy, to Satan's kingdom, than the love of Jesus. That when it's fierce between you and your Savior, the enemy cannot stand against it. And so that's really all, all he's asking for. But we're going to pray and Thank the Lord for his word. Father, thank you, God. Thank you. I just thank you, Jesus, for what you paid for. Yes, for my sin, for my eternal life to be able to spend it with you in heaven. Oh, but for access to you in relationship. Jesus, I just thank you. You are you're so worthy of my praise. Jesus, you are worthy of my trust. You are worthy of my laid down life. You are worthy of, of a yes every day and the simultaneous no to everything that is not of you. You are worthy of that. Thank you. Thank you, God, for who you are. You are the very breath in my lungs. How could I dare think that I can do anything apart from you? Even Jesus in his humanity, when he limited himself by choice here on this earth, you said, Jesus, apart from you, Father, I can do nothing. How much more do we say, apart from you, God, we can do nothing. But with my God, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. So I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I worship you and I praise you. And I, I ask this morning that you would give us such a deep revelation of your love through the lens of how that gives us the authority and the power to come against hell's kingdom, to, to be strong in this battle, to always triumph, as you say in Second Corinthians. God, I thank you that you, you give us victory. We, our, our belief, our faith, and our connection with you is the very victory in our existence against hell and Satan and all of the demonic realm. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray for that power to be realized because it is already there, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead in the Holy Spirit of God is within us already. God, give us a deeper understanding of Ephesians of what you have given us in, our, in who we are as the ecclesia of you, the church, the bride. God, I just pray for that, Lord, and I pray that you would take that into every walk 
into every person listening to today's message, God, they would take it into their afternoon, into their evening, that they're not bound by any kind of strongholds to, to uh, be a victim of urges, to be downcast by bad news, to be defeated by circumstances, to be oppressed by atmospheres. God, but all of it is under your feet. And we are in Christ Jesus, so it is under ours. Thank you, Lord. Give us that revelation. God, even as we travel into Nigeria and deal directly with situations that are very dark, very heavy, oh, God, what a wonderful privilege that as we know you and you flow through us, that you do shine your light in this darkness through us. Thank you for that. Thank you for allowing us to be your light. Oh, God, I don't want any part of me dimmed. I don't want any part of me, as we sang as a child, held under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. God, Father, help us to shine our lights, God. Thank you. Thank you, God, that, mic'd or not, you hear my voice. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give us just a deeper sense of what you want to awaken us into and wake up the bride, Lord, as we rise. As we rise at such a time as this, what an amazing time to be alive. As you are shaking all things that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will remain. I thank you for that. Thank you that I'm alive for it. God, help each of us to walk in it and not be stuck in the immediate weeds of our problems, but to take, as Greg shared, the authority over our own house, our own walk that you have given us in victory and in power so that we can rise to take on the greater things that you've called us for, which are far beyond what we can even imagine. We praise you, God. We worship you. Use this word according to your will. In the name of Jesus, amen.